Is there a giant global conspiracy to stop me from affording a house? What happens if I drank a vampire's blood? All of these questions you could find the answer to on This Paranormal Life! Hello everyone and welcome to This Paranormal Life, the comedy paranormal podcast where every week myself, Rory Powers, professional paranormal investigator, sits down with the man across from me, Kit Greer Mulvena, also a professional paranormal investigator. The man in the mirror. And we sit down and we come to a conclusion as to whether or not a story that we investigate truly is paranormal. Sometimes a sentence is so nice you gotta say it thrice. Uh, How are you doing today, Rory? I'm doing great today, Kit, because on today's case, we are going to be investigating a pretty unique phenomenon, one that we haven't covered, I don't believe, in any previous podcast. Hopefully. uh, Okay, I'm intrigued. Color me intrigued. Today's case comes from one of our amazing listeners, Eric. He wrote, I know Rory played a lot of baseball growing up, and I've seen him wearing an Atlanta Braves cap, so I think he might appreciate... Major League Baseball's Paranormal History. Interesting. He went on to say, P.S. I once saw a giant turkey in the woods behind my house. It was legit like five feet tall, but had normal-sized turkeys following it like it was some sort of god. I had pictures, but I accidentally deleted them, and I don't think I have backups. Thank you, Eric. Not sure to do with, with the turkey information. Um... That might have to be a bonus episode, maybe a Thanksgiving special. <laughs> yeah, when you deleted the photos, it got demoted from main episode to bonus. But I will say the paranormal history of baseball is an incredible idea for an episode. So that's what we're going to be tackling today. Let's go back to 1918. We're in Boston, home of the Red Sox. At this point in time, they're one of the country's most successful baseball franchises. The team had won five of the first 15 World Series titles in history, more than any other major league team at the time. Okay, I'm just going to have to pause you right here. Yeah. Um, Full disclaimer, Mm -hmm. I don't know anything about baseball. Truly nothing. Yeah, some of our listeners might not be big baseball fans. I will do my best to keep the language simple. But if you have any questions, feel free to interject. You, Kit, not them. The key to the success of the Red Sox... A little player that goes by the name of Babe Ruth. Okay, I've heard of this guy, this old son of a bitch. Oh, yeah. he. I mean, the fact that you've heard of him and you don't even know jack shite about baseball, that tells you something. This little f***ing piglet that went to the big city, <laughs> he's actually pretty famous. Was that ever a cool nickname, Babe Ruth? Oh, you mean even at the time? Yeah, because his, his full name is George Herman Ruth Jr. I don't know where Babe came from. Because he's such a goddamn hunk. I don't know what he looks like. Maybe was he, he was a hunk? A, maybe he was a 10. Who knows? Can we find out right now, live? Was he a 10? <laughs> All right. <laughs> I mean... Is he a good-looking guy? He's, uh... I mean, we're talking about a baseball player in 1918, so I assume he was four foot tall, as wide as he was long. You know, I'm not going to say that I know stains. what makes the perfect man, but this ain't it, chief. He's got a... <laughs> he's, he's fine! He's got a thing going for him. I just don't think he was named for being a candle. He does look like if you took the glasses and the mustache off of Mr. Potato Head. <laughs> but uh, is that a bad thing, Mr. Potato Head's a sexy little spud. Nowadays, he's arguably one of the most famous American sportsmen of all time. 
and for good reason. George Herman Ruth Jr., nicknamed Babe because of how young he was when he signed his contract, uh. was a mold-breaking left-handed pitcher. Hmm. At the start of his career, the great Bambino, as he was also known, was on fire. Whenever you're that good, you get as many nicknames as you want. He has a, he has a lot of nicknames as well, so you can tell he's a pretty good player. I know I just Googled Babe Ruth to see what he looked like, um, but then I also wanted to know where he was from. You're not going to f***ing believe this. Where? Pigtown, Baltimore. You're kidding me. <laughs> I'm not. There's no way. That's the most Southern American town I've ever heard. That is astonishing. Okay. Wow. The Red Sox were flying high, winning left, right, and center. They took the title in the 1918 World Series, cementing their place at the very top of the league. Things were looking good. There was only one problem. Their owner, Harry Frazee, is borderline bankrupt. He only recently acquired the Red Sox in 1916, and they cost about a million dollars. Wow, which in today's money is presumably all the diamonds on planet Mars combined. He also owns a theater that was underperforming and things were not looking good. He needed to make some cash fast. Bad businessman. How do you own the most successful team in the league and a theater and you are broke beyond, but you can't afford lunch. How do you, you can't afford a haircut. How do you own baby Bambino, the piglet king of baseball? And yet you can't cash a check to pay for your fucking dentist appointment. Unless he borrowed a ton of money to buy the team in the first place, there's some financial mistakes that are pretty glaring. You're paying the babe too much. Well, you can't start cutting the babe's salary because then, uh-oh, babe goes to the big city. and babe AKA <laughs> Portland or Harry needs to make some cash fast before somebody shows up and breaks his legs. And they could do it pretty easy, seeing as his office is probably filled with baseball bats. In the end, there's only one thing he can do. He calls Babe Ruth into his office. You wanted to see me, coach? Good to see you, champ. Take a seat. Ah, Babe. Bambi. The great Bambino. That's right, sir. Babe in the big city. Boptimus Prime. Hit me, baby. One more Ruth. Do you need me for something? You're off the team, George. What? Look, it's nothing personal, kid. But my finances are a mess and I gotta sell you to make some cash. I guess it is personal now that I say it out loud. But what about the team? They'll be fine. And more importantly, so will my kneecaps. Anyway, good luck with the new team, kid. You're going to do great with the, uh, New York Yankees. God help you. Like anyone's going to want that on a baseball cap. I'm still sitting right here, chief. With that, the babe headed off to the New York Yankees, a lackluster team on the best of days. But things for the team change immediately. In his first year on the team, Babe Ruth hits a record breaking 54 home runs. The next year, he breaks that record again by another five. The Yankees had never played in a World Series before, but since buying Babe Ruth, they've gone to win on 26 of them. He's such a success 
that the newly built Yankee Stadium is dubbed the house that Ruth built. All right, you're throwing too many numbers at me. I told you to go easy, <laughs> and you're throwing, oh, oh, 54, oh, 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 25. Like, slow down, genius. What's so hard to believe that after his trade in 1946, he hit 54 home runs, beating it by five in 1963? <laughs> I can't take it. Listen, I'm a simple man. I'm okay. I, I'm born in Britain. AKA slash Ireland, Northern Ireland. All we have is football, mate. Footy. You said he scored 54 home runs. Is that like scoring like 54 back of the net, (laughs) top right corner penalties? Is that like 54 pints? I don't understand. Is that like 54 beans on a slice of toast? I'll simplify it down for you. He was traded to another team, the New York Yankees, and he popped off. Okay. He hit balls hard, which is a good thing in baseball. Okay, to be clear. And for the Red Sox, it was the beginning of a drought so bad that it became known as the curse of the Bambino. (gasps) They don't make it to the World Series again until 1946. That's a dry spell. It really is. It was the bottom of the eighth inning. The score was tied three to three. Was this the moment they would be able to break the curse? The batter for the Cardinals stepped up to the plate. Here's the windup and the pitch. Walker hits a double to left field. It's headed toward Pesky of the Red Sox. What? What are you doing, man? Get the ball! One of Boston's player begins fumbling at his feet while the crowd starts screaming. It looks like the glare of the sun is bothering him. He's squinting, just barely managing to find the ball as the Cardinals score and take the lead. In the end, Boston had one more chance to score, but it was too late. The curse was already awakened. And Higgins is forced out at second to end the ball game with the St. Louis Cardinals winning the seventh and final game of the 1946 World Series by a score of four to three. Baseball's highest honor has gone to the St. Louis Cardinals. Over the next few years, the Red Sox were plagued by disaster. Their best players choke under pressure. When other teams play against the Red Sox, normal average so-so players on the opposite team will have the best game of their life. Wow, so it's not even just a curse that brings them down, but it actually gives a f***ing Super Mario mushroom power-up to all the other players. <laughs> yeah, the other team could be like a player down so they recruit the janitor from the changing rooms to go up to bat in all the ninth a, inning. All of a sudden, he's f***ing nasty with it. Yeah. They're like, holy shit, Chuck just hit a grand slam out of the stadium, setting a new record for MLB home runs. (laughs) He swung very early, by the way. I'm pretty sure I saw the ball slow down (laughs) midair. The whole crowd's like, Chuck, Chuck, Chuck. (laughs) This is when the narration comes over the piece. Chuck would go on to become one of the most legendary ball players in the game. He had never played a sport up until that day, and he barely spoke English. On account of being legally blind, he actually had to be led around each base by a member of the arena staff. Yeah, I mean, at this point, uh, if you were playing against the Boston Red Sox, you could probably have a couple beers before the game. You could maybe, like, get out early to beat the traffic if you were on the opposition. You know you're going to be guaranteed a win. They became a laughingstock. Loss after loss, defeat after defeat... 
things got so bad that the entire nation started to get behind the idea that the Boston Red Sox were cursed. And what started it? The day they traded the soul of the team away, Babe Ruth. Hmm. To this day, the curse of the Bambino hangs over Fenway Park like a dark cloud. Pretty cool idea. I mean, we've never covered this idea before on the podcast that uh, a sports organization could be cursed. A franchise could be cursed. By doing something just uh, morally corrupt, you know, trading away uh, the heart of your team, the soul, basically selling the soul of your team away for money, for profit, and you're cursed and punished for that decision. It is a whole fascinating can of worms. As you say, kind of surprising that it actually hasn't come up before now because, as I say... Not a huge sportsman, uh, but I am aware that this is a common theme amongst different sports. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when you actually think about it, superstitions do play a huge role in sports. Many people have traditions or routines that they try and follow to manifest a win, whether it's wearing the same jersey every week, preparing the same food, Kissing a trophy, making a deal with the devil, sacrificing a child, no, no, no. whatever it takes to get a win. I don't know win. much, but I don't think anyone does that. Uh, you, you're absolutely right, though. There's uh, so many do's and don'ts of being a professional athlete. Yeah. Um, and I think there's something fun about it as well. You know, you can like, I think people get a kick out of creating their own I rituals. think don't have sex. Is that one? You don't have sex before the big game. Is that a, I don't, I don't know if you're... Is that something you do? I'm not being glib. I'm just, <laughs> All right. just, I'm just saying, I don't know if that's so much superstition as you need the special sauce for the big day. I don't know how else to say it. I don't know how else to say it. That if you, I don't know, that if you keep yourself wound up, up like a tightly coiled spring, you keep the edge. Because the edge is what, I don't know, you can tell I don't play sports. <laughs> <laughs> the edge is what I hear. The edge is what what can be the difference between the win or the L. I can disprove that myth right now, okay? Because I actually went without sex before the big game for 27 <laughs> years. And then when the big game arrived, I ran out on the pitch, tore my ACL, and blew my load. <laughs> I was so pent up from 27 years of preparation for the big day. My balls were so swollen, I could barely run onto the field. I think we, we can dispel that myth right now. Okay, sorry I brought it up. Of course, when a curse this bad hits an entire state, they're going to do whatever it takes to break it. People were taking this thing really seriously. Hey, when we're talking about an entire franchise, we're talking about a lot of money. Or in the case of... Babe Ruth's former boss, no money whatsoever. Yeah. But normally, lots of money. Red Sox fans began to do some crazy shit to try and help their team out. Somebody hiked Mount Everest and placed a Red Sox cap at the peak, then climbed back down and burnt a Yankees cap at the bottom. Okay, I don't know if that's... I'm pretty sure the Himalayas is pretty sacred to a lot of different people on Earth. So yeah. I don't know if burning the, a Yankees cap on their land is really a good omen. Look, you gotta do what you gotta do. The curse of the Bambino is real. You gotta do whatever it takes. Go to sacred temples, burn a Yankees no, cap. No, don't go to a temple. Go to like those uh, civilizations that have never made contact with the, the other world. Sure. Give them Red Sox jerseys. God, no. Do whatever it takes to break the curse. You gotta do whatever it takes. 
dig up the grave of the guy who founded the Yankees, piss all over his dead body. No, this is just illegal. <laughs> Why do you think that would break the curse and not make many, many more curses? <laughs> like, whatever happened to appeasing the gods, making a simple offering? Like, uh, but this is interesting, though, because it, it demonstrates, I don't think they even know who cursed them. Yeah. Like, I mean, normally it- in our curse episodes, it's like a curse placed by boy king Tutankhamun and the Egyptian gods, or it's a curse by a voodoo priestess or something. Yeah, someone was wronged, and that is how the curse originated. Um, (laughs) Like, unless the Bambino was uh, a wizard himself. Frustratingly, that was another one of his names. The baseball wizard, (laughs) the whiz kid, um, the great Bambino, Bambi, Babe Ruth. The piglet with a wand, anything you can think of. But but you're right. I mean, this almost feels like a curse that was handed down by karma itself, by just making a bad decision. You've had this curse imposed upon you by the laws of the universe. So it's a hard one to try and figure out how to crack it. Which is kind of interesting in itself because, you know, I would imagine back in these times that almost every one of these players and or fans were God-fearing people. Probably. But it's crazy how sports superstition and curses, the paranormal, transcends all of that. Yeah. It's like, hey, we might pray to different gods and, uh, you know, live our lives differently, but we can all get on board with a good old-fashioned paranormal curse. Yeah. It's quite weird, isn't it? It's like if even, you know, the Christian re- religion is pretty black and white with what it believes is real and not real. And yet these people are like, we need to hire a wizard. <laughs> we need to hire a wizard to come onto this car. It's like, <laughs> because those goddamn Yankees <laughs> are going to rub it in our faces for another season. If they have a wizard, we're, we're going to need a wizard too. <laughs> uh, one diehard fan tried to reconnect Babe Ruth with his long lost home team by dragging a piano that apparently once belonged to Babe Ruth out of a lake near his old house. And I don't know by and then he oh played it or brought it to the field or something. So many lengths. Things got so serious that in 1976, after 10 straight losses, Laurie Cabot, the official witch of Massachusetts, was brought in to help break the curse. No way. The losing streak was broken, but the curse of the Bambino raged on. 90s Red Sox pitcher Bill Lee suggested that the way to break the curse was to dig up Babe Ruth's body oh my God. and transport it to Fenway Park. Once there, they should all publicly apologize to the decayed corpse for making Too the- late. <laughs> Too late and wrong and bad. And I was joking earlier. I thought I was joking. I can't believe someone actually pitched this. When you're digging up a body to apologize, you're, you're, already, you're already heading in the wrong direction. You're only making the... Now you got a new curse on your hands, buddy. Now his ghost is going to be shitting in the bathrooms of your stadium till the end of time. It is true that if you were the ghost of Babe Ruth, you would be pissed off. But let's be honest. Whenever you, you know, have a disagreement or a falling out with someone, it's like, isn't this the ultimate dream? That even after you're dead and gone, they're on their hands and knees begging for your forgiveness. I think it's the dream until they decide to dig you up. (laughs) And apologize. It's like I want you. To, I want you to be upset still, but not enough to right. dig up just, my body. Yeah, just apologize next to my headstone. You just know that these uh, Red Sox players are like, we wanted to uh, bring the body here and uh, apologize in person to his uh, his disgusting, decaying skeleton, and just to make sure that uh, his spirit lays at rest here, we will smash his legs into pieces. <gasps> 
and um, as a sign of good faith, we'll hang his skull on top of the stadium. <laughs> and we'll each wear a piece of his bones as a <laughs> necklace around our necks. So many curses. You can just see the curses swirling around them like the f***ing Raiders of the Lost Ark. <laughs> Things didn't get better until 2004, only 18 years ago. During a game, Red Sox player Manny Ramirez hammered a ball deep into the bleachers. The crowd are going wild. Is this it? Is the curse broken? The ball went soaring into the crowd and struck a child in the face. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Knocking out two of his teeth. God damn it. Now this might sound like the curse in full force, but there was more to this bizarre incident. It turned out that the boy who was hit lived on Sudbury Farm, the same farm once owned by Babe Ruth. Oh my God, they cannot catch a break here. Later that day, the Yankees, who was the team that got Babe Ruth, suffered their worst loss in team history, 22 to zero. Could the act of sacrificing this child's face have broken the curse? These men need to grow up. Should we grow up. go into the crowd and find more children to sacrifice to appease the babe? They are worse than like the ancient Aztecs or something. These are the most <laughs> superstitious people we've ever come across in this paranormal life history. They will stop at nothing to win a game of baseball. At this point, <laughs> dissolve the franchise, dissolve the team, start a new team with no curses. Because at least the ancient Aztecs, I think there was some sort of logic in place where they were like, we think the gods like blood, <laughs> so we're going to kill people and let them bleed down uh, the, the steps of our towers. The Red Sox are like, maybe I'll put a hot dog up my ass. <laughs> And that'll appease Bambi himself. Yeah, Babe loves hot dogs. <laughs> they're, they're just trying anything now. But some people did genuinely believe that whatever happened when this child was struck in the face, that it at least rattled the curse of the Bambino. And there was only one way to find out for sure. The Red Sox continued their season. They were doing good, but things were looking tight. They made it to the World Series once again, but were head-to-head -head against the New York Yankees the same team they traded Babe Ruth to all of those years ago. Uh, if you didn't know, the World Series consists of seven games. If a team wins four of them, they are the champions. And in 2004, the Yankees had won three in a row against the Red Sox. Okay. Not the outcome that you're hoping for so far. But maybe it was luck. Maybe the curse had an 86-year expiry date. Or maybe, just maybe, it was the act of sacrificing that boy's face. There's no way. That's not how sacrifices work. Well, never mind. Something changed. The Red Sox won game four, then game five, <gasps> no. then game six. What? And the Red Sox became the first team in MLB history to win the World Series after losing the first three games. And with that, the curse appears to have lifted. Wow, really? Took all Ever the way since? to 2014. I mean, winning the title, that is a sure way to, to know that you have broken the curse of the Bambino, the great Bambi, Boptimus Prime himself. I guess so, but has it lasted? Because we don't know if the curse has been lifted or if the curse was simply napping during the time of the 2014 World Series. <laughs> right. Every new season, it needs a new child. <laughs> you have to feed it teeth. It's like saying, I need to get the tooth fairy on board because this thing is insatiable. 
or maybe uh, up in heaven or down in hell. I don't know what he did. Uh, the great Bambino Christ. was like putting mustard on his hot dog, chomping away, and then he like turned around to see that the Red Sox had won the World Series. He's like, "Oh, f- no, no, no! Get back here, you little bastards!" Zap, zap! Ah, yeah. yeah, he's slinging thunderbolts like Thor. <laughs> so I, I haven't been keeping up with how the Red Sox have been doing recently. Who knows? Maybe they're back. <laughs> I'm in just the gonna look up on uh, Siri. Oh, they're all dead. They all died in a terrible <laughs> plane crash one month after winning the World Series. Now, as we talked about earlier, although we don't think about it much, there's a weird amount of sport that is wrapped up in rituals and superstition. Players and spectators alike do all kinds of stuff to try and influence the outcome of a game. Retired NHL forward Bruce Gardner used to dunk his hockey stick in the toilet before every game. (laughs) (laughs) That's so nuts. That sounds like something you would uh, do not... To make yourself lucky, but to like distract the other team. Yeah. Like you can like. They don't want to play against a guy with a toilet stick. Do you have any such uh, sporting superstitions or something like a sporting superstition? Do you have your like favorite pair of boxers you wear before the big day or da 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 da? Not particularly. If I do, they kind of come and go in very um, specific circumstances. So like. There was one time I was watching an important baseball game where the Braves were playing. And uh, when I went to the bathroom, they like hit a home run. So then my brother was like, you can't be in the room for the rest of the game. You have to watch. You can only come in when the opposite team are batting. And anytime the Braves come up, you have to leave. I'd have to watch from the window. Be like, can I, can you like toss me a beer or something? I want to watch the game. That just sounds like your brother doesn't like you though. Yeah, like he would enforce that about a lot of stuff. So yeah. just like if we were cooking food and he was like, this chicken nugget is like a tiny bit too burnt. You have to now eat in in the toilet. And it's like, yeah. I don't understand the rules though. Like, is there a reason why? And he'd be like, just go, just go eat yeah, in the toilet, yeah, yeah. eat in the toilet. So I would just be like eat, eating there like by myself, just and, on the bowl. And like, I thought like on Christmas day, your parents would usually say like, uh, you know, look, there's no chance you're getting any gifts. But if you want your brother to be in with a chance of Santa bringing him at least one present, you have to be outside for all of Christmas day. Yeah, they would see like- You they can't would, come in the house. They would be like, Santa's coming, Santa's coming. Rory, like- Go out, go out to the garden. Hi. And sometimes it would Leave. be like... Just like, don't come back. It would like, be like Boxing Day. And it's like, what's why yeah. Santa coming? You're like, it doesn't matter. You got you can't let Santa see you. And it's like, well, well, Colin's still here. Like, my, my brother and my sister, are still, we have the whole family over. And like, get the f*** out. Yeah, Santa's yeah, yeah. coming. Get, get out of here. Sometimes it would be like Easter. Yeah, like, <laughs> it wouldn't like, even be... Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no reason why he should be in the vicinity. It would just be like middle of summer. We'd be on vacation. And they wouldn't, like, they wouldn't invite me, but I'd find out through, like, photos that they put up mm-hmm. on Facebook, like, tagging, saying, like, the whole family together, mm-hmm. finally. Mm-hmm. And I'd be like, oh, shit, they, they must have forgot to uh, message me about the holiday. Mm-hmm. So then I would, like, turn up to Barbados, and they're like, Santa's coming. Get out of here. We don't, we don't love you. It's such mixed messages shit, you know? because... Sometimes they don't even bring it's up not, Santa. Nothing to do with Santa, which obviously. is weird. Like I know deep down it's because Santa's coming and I have to I have to leave. But sometimes they don't even mention Santa or the North Pole or anything. They're sometimes just like, they just serve you papers to say that you've been like, yeah. what's the opposite of adopted? Like given up. <laughs> yeah, and it's like that's weird. Can you give up a grown man? Like, like it he feels should be illegal, gone. but like it's apparently kind of not because <laughs> kind of they did it. 
Uh, so I guess they're more superstitious than you are that way. Yeah, in a weird way. And like, I've tried dunking my hands in toilet water and stuff, like all the shit that they've said. Uh, <laughs> I've tried drinking toilet stuff. water, dunking my head in it, licking it. <laughs> that might be why they don't want me around anymore. It's mostly the toilet water stuff. Uh, do you have any superstitions like this? Uh, I mean, real answer, not particularly. Like the closest thing I do to a... Uh, organized sport is like skateboarding or something and i do know in that world there's a lot of talk of like the madness which is uh, an individual skateboarder because it's just a lot of trial and repetition you're trying to land a trick might take dozens or hundreds of attempts is yeah people develop uh which i sh- i assume is the same across all sports their little tick what they call the madness of what they do every time before they make their real attempt before they really land it. So like it might be like spinning your board once, tapping it twice. Oh, I see. Like and a little throwing it down with the right hand and then they're gonna land it that time. The madness sounds like an old timey disease that pirates would get yeah. when they're on the ocean for too long. Yeah. And then scientists today would just realize it was like <laughs> scurvy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've got the madness. I have to tap my skateboard three times before <laughs> no, I try again. Just eat an orange. <laughs> just eat an orange. <laughs> I've got the madness. I haven't shit in days, and every time I cough, it's blood in my hands. <laughs> That's not the madness. I think you're dying. Former LSU Tigers coach Les Miles used to eat grass from the field before each game. Why are these such horrible, like, toilet water eating grass? It can't be a nice just thing. Just suck on a mint. It can't, How about that? It can't be. A, it, but then it's not, you're just doing... Make s- your ritual calling your mother. How about that? Two-time All-Star Steve Finley pinned his success on what he described as healing minerals. Okay. I mean, there's something more to that. He told anyone that would listen that they gave him a, quote, layer of protection against harmful external energy intruders. Okay, I don't know. know if he can prove that, though. Did I mention he he was eating grass? (laughs) Quite a bit, actually. Dennis Rodman would famously (laughs) snort cocaine in the days leading up to Chicago Bulls games. No, that was just partying. Also, without getting into the details, there's quite a few that actually involve piss. Whether that's pissing on things, people pissing on other people or themselves. Jesus. Drinking piss. People do some weird stuff if it means getting the W. That's fascinating. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. 
Kit, when we bottle up our emotions, it can start to affect us negatively. Sometimes it's important that we get stuff off our chest. Tell me about it. I found a UFO in the forest and now this thing is attached to my chest. Jesus, that's an alien. Mm -hmm. All right, I was speaking metaphorically about dealing with emotions and talking about our feelings by using services like BetterHelp. I don't need to talk about my feelings. This thing can read my mind. Therapy can be a great way to set boundaries and become the best version of yourself. With BetterHelp, you can get matched with a licensed therapist that suits your needs. It's online, convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. We're saying they can get things off my chest, like uh, Zonktar here? Don't give it a name. Maybe me and Zonktar can sign up for BetterHelp together. Give it a shot, and whatever it is, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Paranormal Life today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Paranormal Life. Now, if the curse of the Bambino isn't enough to win you over, let's talk about another famous baseball curse. The Curse of the Billy Goat. The story begins to unfold in 1945. Local business owner William Shannis is supporting his local team, the Chicago Cubs. If the name Billy Goat turns out to be another nickname for f***ing Babe Ruth, I'm gonna lose it. <laughs> the great Billy Bambino yes. is what they called him. The baby goat himself. He, he was the goat, for sure. <laughs> so that would make sense. Now, Shannis owns the world-famous Billy Goat Tavern, and of course, a real-life pet billy goat called Murphy. Naturally. Shannis and Murphy went everywhere together. It was like Mary and her little lamb. Wherever Shannis went, Murphy was sure to follow. Insane way to live your life. <laughs> You're like, I just want to establish that right off the bat. Whatever happens to him is justice. I had no <laughs> idea sports people were so strange. They went to the bar together, the supermarket together, and even baseball games. One evening, Shannis left his bar in safe hands so that he and Murphy could go cheer on the Chicago Cubs. However, when he got to Wrigley Field, Murphy's presence began to annoy some of the other fans. It's the bottom of the ninth inning here at Wrigley Field. Runners on first with two out. The Cubs are going to need to make a play here if they want to get out of this inning. It's a two and one count as Finchley steps back into the box. We've seen some big hits from him so far in the season, but he's been struggling in the away games. Hey, buddy! Buddy, can you tell that goat to shut the f*** up? Big swing here, and it's a line drive towards left field. Hey, who the hell's been chewing on my jersey? Somebody took a shit on my hot dog. It looks like goat shit. Get that flea bag out of the stadium! Enough people complained that Shannis and Murphy were ejected from Wrigley Field. As the pair were ejected from the stadium, Shannis was muttering under his breath, Stupid country. Can't bring a goat to a baseball game anymore. You never could. <laughs> you never could. There was no... Maybe in the Middle Ages, yeah. you could bring a goat places. But ever since the invention of baseball, it hasn't been kosher to take a goat. How did he get in here? How did he get into the stadium? At some point, he must have passed security who were like, Janice, Murphy, and they just let him take a seat and a goat. Didn't you say it was like a little goat? I know I said he was a billy goat, but I don't. <laughs> that doesn't have a reflection on size, does I it? I don't know. I, for some reason, I thought it was like a young one. Okay, so this is a... This is Th an this established is an eating, relation. shitting, <laughs> buying machine. This thing is, is, is very frustratingly large. <laughs> he muttered, they'll see. They'll all see. 
as what could I possibly see? As he reached the exit, he stopped and shouted, Them cubs, they ain't gonna win no more! And so began the longest baseball curse of them all. The Cubs don't win another National League pennant as long as Shannis lives. And they don't earn a World Series victory until 2016, 110 years since their last win. <laughs> oh, that is a long time. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe goats going to baseball games was a big thing back then. If anything, they need more goats. Yeah. Now, the story does differ from source to source. Shannis's family claimed that he actually sent a telegram to the team owner which read, You are going to lose this World Series, and you are never going to win a World Series again because you insulted my goat. Wow. Now, similar to the other famous baseball curses, many people tried strange and bizarre rituals to break the curse. And, in a wild twist, one of those peoples was Shannis himself before he died. Huh? I guess he just regretted it. <laughs> he was like, I meant it like as a metaphor, like, oh, I hope you guys don't win. <laughs> but you did write the letter. Yeah, I went home. Signed that, in my blood. Yes, and that night lit a few candles, drew a pentagram on the floor, uh, swore allegiance to the Dark Lord and said, I will give you my soul if they never win. So like, that's why you regret it. But as a, as a goof, like as a guy just messing around. And yeah, Murphy took a shit and smeared it on the book of the devil and uh, sold his soul too. Um... Just as like a funny little thing. So uh I don't I don't know how to break it. Curse be gone, I guess. Abracadabra. Oof. I feel like you gotta put as much effort into breaking it as you <laughs> clearly did in creating the curse. It, it, it's like, oh, you wanna break it? Okay, so first of all, you're gonna have to go outside under the light of the full moon, get some pure water. Ah, uh, you know what? I don't know if I can be bothered doing all that. <laughs> yeah. Can you guys just play a little harder? Maybe next time. After Shannis passed away, Sam Shannis, his nephew, went to Wrigley Field multiple times with a goat, attempting to break the curse. I guess this time they're just like, let the goat do anything. Let it do whatever it wants. If it wants to eat the grass on the field, if it wants to piss all over the bases, just let the goat go wild. Yeah, the goat gods have spoken. <laughs> yeah, we pissed them off, and now this is their kingdom. Uh, Wikipedia actually has an amazing list of all of the ways that the curse was attempted to be broken, and some of them are wild. In 2008, a Greek Orthodox priest tried to end the curse during the 2008 playoffs by spraying holy water around the dugout, which... Okay, I like it. General kind of fail-safe curse lifting. Yeah, I didn't know that you could just um, hire someone to... You can just pay someone to use holy water. I thought it was supposed to be quite special. I read that differently. I read it that the priest himself was such a goddamn Cubs fan that he used his authority to try and break it. <laughs> Maybe he was. Maybe at the Sunday service, people were going up and be like, I needed a drop of the Holy Lord's water just to help me through uh, the week and, and send my life into blessing. So a drop, Father? Oh yeah, ho uh, holy water. Yeah, for sure. One tick. Thank you, Father. Um, Thank you. Sorry, just, just, uh, P uh... Peace be with you. Peace be with you. Just, uh... You usually say it back, Father. God, peace be with you. Just one freaking second, <laughs> dude. Uh, just, <laughs> just cover your ears a second. Okay. Oh! <laughs> Blessings to you, my child. It's fizzy, Blessings. Father. Yes, don't, you know, sure. It's... That's extra holy. That's extra holy. That's how you know. It tingles my, my skin. Is that a bad oh, sign, yes. Father, that, that is, the holy water that does... Is, <laughs> that is the Lord speaking to us in mysterious ways, truly. What? It smells different. It smells like Sprite. 
Why does the oh. holy water sp- smell like Sprite, Father? <laughs> you're, you're somewhat mistaken. You're somewhat mistaken. I think that is... Well, what did I say last time? The Lord... Yeah. <laughs> All right, you got me. It's goddamn 7-Up. Go, you- Cubs. <laughs> Go, f***ing Cubs. <laughs> On April 1st, 2011, a social enterprise called Reverse the Curse began donating goats to families in developing countries. This is too much effort. This is far too much effort. At least that's a nice one, right? They basically started a charity called Reverse the Curse and started just giving goats to third world countries. This is astonishing, the lengths people will go to to, to I mean, reverse that, it. This is the thing. You know, we, we've said before that the problem is that they don't, they, they don't know who... Well, they actually do in this case. I think it was Shannon's did it by accident. But at this point, they're just trying to break it by being good people, you know? Donating yeah. to charities... Maybe bad idea to use all of the town's holy water on a baseball field. But yeah, yeah, the dugout was soaking. <laughs> it wasn't just like a little droplet. It was like, we can't take any chances, guys. I assume they just put it into the sprinklers of the field and just doused the whole thing with holy water. You know, but this is why sports psychology exists because, and I assume we'll get into this, you know, the curse may be one thing, but clearly it even extends beyond the curse itself, and it it lives deep in the minds of the players and the fans. This is what we're going to talk about in the conclusion is when we're talking about curses that it can affect players who are performing in a game, how much of that curse is genuinely paranormal and how much of it is them acknowledging the curse's existence. And in a weird way, that affects your mindset. Exactly. (laughs) They're heading into games with their tail between their legs being like, I mean, I'll try and hit the ball, but honestly, some f***er <laughs> and his goat got kicked out of a game 80 years ago, so what's the point? What's the point in even trying? <laughs> They're so tired from trying all these methods to lift the curse. They have no energy to hit the f***ing ball. Yeah. <laughs> They're so malnourished. They've all been drinking holy water and goat's blood for three weeks in the preseason. By the time it actually gets to the game <laughs> on Monday, the coach is just like, all right, guys, so just looking at the week ahead, obviously every practice is cancelled. We have so many goats to get into the <laughs> Middle East with our charity. Um, and then Tuesday, 9 to 5, drinking goat's blood and piss. <laughs> it's like, no, just get better at the game. Can you imagine uh, first game of the season and the announcers are like, Yankees are warming up on the field here, uh, looking like a great team this season. They managed to secure a few uh, MVPs from the league uh, in the trade before the games have started. We're looking at record numbers, and the forecast is that they're going to have a great season. Now, of course, is the Chicago Cubs recently changed their name to the Goat Goats. (laughs) Had a bit of a different preseason, mostly practicing goat sacrifices, worshipping goats, changed their mascot to a goat. We'll see how it works out for them. First up to the plate, Goat Goat. Of course, all the players change their name to Goat Goat to appease the goat. And for going wearing trainers as normal on the baseball field and actually wearing <laughs> hooves. Uh, they can barely walk. I don't know how they'll be able to run around the bases. Uh, it didn't work out for them very well because, as you can tell, they had a very bad, bad, bad season. A bad season. Nice, dude. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to complain too much about starting charities to give away goats. Because also on April 10th, 2013, a severed goat's head was delivered to the Cubs in an effort to lift the curse. They need to be stopped. Yeah, they're just throwing anything at the wall. It's like, let's kill goats. Let's worship goats. Let's eat goats. So confused. It's bad. They obviously don't know what caused the thing. 
and they don't know how to stop it. And look, even though we've investigated these two specific cases, there are a lot more. One of the most famous one involves the player Shoeless Joe Jackson, who was accused, I believe, of not cheating in baseball, but I don't remember what the term is when you're basically placing bets and then playing bad to lose games. <laughs> cheating. <laughs> yeah, that might be cheating <laughs> or just being a bad person. Yeah, I know what you mean. Uh, him and a lot of players got a- accused of that. Oh, what's it called? Is it called throwing a game? I yeah, remember. throwing a game. Yeah, like throwing a fight basically in boxing. And uh, a lot of people believe that he was innocent. A lot of people believe he was guilty. But uh, the curse of Shoeless Joe went on to affect his team for many years. This isn't an outlier, you know? These teams really did undergo something tragic and it affected their franchise for years. In some cases, as we just said, 110 years. Roy, I've been keeping a low profile all the way through this investigation, but that belies my own personal experience of a sports curse. Whoa, really? You see, Rory, my grandfather on my mother's side, which I never met, he was a Gaelic football player here in Ireland, Tom Greer. Ah. He actually played and won the All-Ireland in 1936 for Mayo, the first time they ever won the All-Ireland Championship for listeners abroad. The All-Ireland is like the national Gaelic football tournament. It is the biggest game there is. That was the first year Mayo ever won it. Do you know how many goats you have to appease to even make it to those finals? <laughs> it's a family secret we do not talk about. But most people, even Irish listeners, will be surprised to even hear that fact because whilst Tom Greer was in the first team to ever win the All-Ireland for Mayo, Mayo was not a team that is known in modern times for winning the All-Ireland. That's because in 1951, the story goes that they made it to the final and they won the All-Ireland in spectacular fashion. And then, as they do, lifting the trophy, kissing the trophy, getting loose and and partying. Of course. On their victory ride home through the town. Oh, dear. They passed a funeral. The story goes that even as they passed the funeral, they either didn't notice or didn't care enough to quieten down and pay their respects. Instead, they kept yelling and shouting and cheering and lifting the trophy high, even as they passed this funeral procession. Yeah, like spraying champagne over the coffin. In the face of the family bereaved, (laughs) sure. Well, the priest who was leading the congregation of the funeral was so furious, he is said to have cursed the Mayo football team. Wow. And they've never won the All-Ireland since, since 1951, over 70 years of playing. And that is not without reaching the final many times. It becomes like a running joke that I think even last year, or in very recent years at least, they have reached the final and everyone just rolls their eyes and, (laughs) and says like, why even watch? Like, we just know they're going to lose. And every time it happens, uh, all Mayo supporters are like, maybe this is the year, like they're playing really well, this could be it. But the curse is officially yet to be lifted. I would love to know if they have made any attempts to break the curse, to like rectify what they did wrong. Have they like identified who the poor bastard was in the coffin and spoken to his grandchildren? Have they, you know, sacrificed the goat? Probably not. Killed a goat, killed any goats. Sometimes it's it's worth trying, you know, knocking it out of the park. You got to get the basic ones out of the way first. (laughs) Just to make sure. Kill a goat, drink some piss, 
and then I don't know, hire a wizard. Those are the three that you and need. And then to move just... on to like, yeah, I don't know, apologizing to the families involved. Or whatever. Sure, like making a donation on behalf of the team. Sure, but of course, like drink the piss first, and wait a sec- have a couple glasses because sometimes that first glass won't kick in. It won't, it won't break things. It'll shake the curse, but it won't break the curse. You know, spoken as a true piss connoisseur. <laughs> Uh, uh, that's crazy. That's really crazy. Um, I don't know actually enough about the story. <laughs> As I say, cannot stress enough. I know nothing about Gaelic football either. But I did see whenever I was looking it up that um, it was noted that in the last couple of years, the last surviving member of the original cursed team uh, died. And so people were probably looking at that and going, maybe once he passes away, the curse could be lifted because none of the people who offended them uh, are alive to bear the curse anymore. But of course, in the stories we've looked at today, that doesn't seem to have had any effect because even as players have moved on, you said 110 years later. Yeah, I mean, Shannis, the guy who placed the curse, tried to break it, couldn't, died, and the curse still continued on <laughs> afterwards. Maybe it was the f-ing goat who placed the curse in the end. Maybe it was Murphy. I don't know. So true. This is just a little PSA on the podcast. Just be careful who you tick off because curses are very easy to get and very hard to lose. Well said. And that just about brings us to the end of this week's podcast. Kit, We're looking at a difficult concept here, not just the idea of curses, but specifically curses in the world of sport, in the world of baseball. Do you think that there is any genuine paranormal fact in these stories? I think the thing I struggle with most in this instance of a curse being placed is, you know, the motive and the uh, operation of the curse itself. How does it work? You know, I mentioned before We've done recent curse episodes and, you know, what I like to see, at least it makes sense in my brain, is whenever there is a reason for the curse. Okay, we might have that, but is there a person who cast it? Did they invoke a god or a ritual or a religion or use some magical rite? How does it work and what is the mechanism? I think that's what I'm missing in this. Yeah, I mean... It's kind of, it tends to be like a guy yells out like... Y'all are never going to win again. And then that's kind of enough. Yeah, you know, and some of these make more sense than the others. The Billy Goat one, that's a bit nuts. Bringing a goat and then banning a goat and then that is how the curse starts. Sure, that's a little more out there. But I mean, the original story, The Curse of the Great Bambino, it's like, it's a mystery, all right. We traded away our best player and then we started to lose. And they started to do pretty f- good (laughs) yeah it's like okay i think we can put two and two together here maybe that's not necessarily paranormal um but also as we said how much of this is is like placebo curses Mm -hmm. players hearing about a curse it getting like stuck in their subconscious and then they have that bias when they're playing games that they think that they're gonna lose i think that's what's really interesting about this case and maybe not paranormal is it just shows the sheer extent that psychology controls the world of sport. Yeah, it's true. And, you know, may it continue to rule the world of sport because uh, I like a good ritual. Um, I like to drink a glass of piss from time to time. And, <laughs> and hell, if that means I got to be cursed, go ahead and curse me because I want to keep drinking. My team that I support, the Atlanta Braves, actually won the World Series last year. And uh, a big part of their season and some of the rituals around it were one of the players, Jock Peterson, used to uh, wear a pearl necklace whenever he was playing for the Braves. 
And he played for them in that season where they made it all the way and won the World Series. And that took off so much that in the stores that they had in the stadium, they were selling merchant pearls, merchandise, Atlanta Braves pearls that you could like, everyone in the crowd were wearing pearls. People were swinging the pearls as like a a way to like rally up the troops when they all came to bat. Uh, We watched the World Series. We all bought like pearl necklaces. So that was like, I I like buying into the superstition. Exactly. You don't have to drink piss. You don't have to kill a goat. You don't have to do any of that stupid stuff. And we won. Was it because I was wearing a pearl (laughs) necklace? So it's a yes. (laughs) So it's a yes for me and the Powers family. Uh, No, look, hey, I don't think we need to dance around this for long. I think it's a fun idea. But ultimately, I don't believe this is paranormal. And I'm happy to say that we're just talking about these ones today. We don't have to come down on all sports curses, just these particular baseball ones. Yeah. Yeah. I think as far as these curses go, the curse of the Billy Goat and the curse of the great Bambino, Boptimus Prime, Hit Me Baby, One More Ruth, the legend himself, the goat, the wizard of baseball, Little Piggy Goes to the Big City. It's a a no. It's a double no. (laughs) Thank you, though, so much to Eric for sending in this recommendation. What a cool recommendation that I never really would have thought of. If you want to send in your own cases, head on over to this paranormal life podcast at gmail.com. Send us a case you want us to investigate and we'll check it out. Thank you so much to Amy Grisdale for researching this week's episode. And thank you to Louis Blatherwick for editing. Guys, I know we've talked a lot about how bad curses are on this week's episode, but sometimes there are curses that you do want. And that's the cursed items that have featured on episodes of This Paranormal Life. Some of you may know that on Patreon.com, we offer some of the objects used on this podcast as a reward to our patrons. We do monthly raffles where we give away those objects to one lucky winner. And this month, it could be you. We are giving away the aura glasses used in a recent episode of This Paranormal Life. Now, I don't know if you guys remember exactly what these glasses could do, but you could see ghosts. (laughs) At least I could. Kit could, yeah. Interestingly, it didn't really work on me. Um, Maybe I'm dead the whole time. That could be the (laughs) twist. But you're going to want to check it out because it is just one of the many amazing rewards we have over there. We have bonus episodes. We have a limited edition commune coin for true fans. There's a bunch of cool rewards, digital and physical. So go check it out on patreon.com forward slash this paranormal life. All right. New reward. Just spitballing here. But I just like the Pearl story you you told about uh, our friend Jock. Yeah. Um, so... I'm just going to throw this one out there. I got my first kiss while I was wearing my lucky pair of absolutely shredded, disgusting, soiled underwear. My favorite pair. Um, Shouldn't be your favorite and, pair. Uh, I don't know why they were so shredded at that point, but <laughs> if you can imagine after that day, they became my lucky pair. They're even more shredded today. So I am willing to sell these. Nobody wants this. Nobody to, wants to this. To our listeners, because... Hey, if Not I was able give to get, away? if I was able, no, I'm going to create more shredded pairs uh, and then we will uh, sell them to the listeners, uh, much like the pearls for the Atlanta Braves. Yeah, I just think, you know, the pearls are like a cool novelty thing. You can wear them and have yeah. them out on display. And these you can wear and like 
you can just privately enjoy your shredded pear and just enjoy the luck that it gives you. No one even needs to know. I think it defeats the purpose of the lucky object if they're hidden away and shredded. Yeah, and soiled. Belief, and soiled. Yeah, I, I don't think that's something that people are going to be interested in. Maybe like a lucky marble or like a lucky... I don't know. It's just hat, like... You know? I actually did have a lucky marble for a while. Oh, really? Yeah. What happened to I it? lost it. <laughs> I Not lost that it. lucky. Yeah. <laughs> So I don't know where it went. Your but life went downhill ever since. Yeah, I lost it the day we started this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, check it out. Patreon.com forward slash this paranormal life. One of the rewards that we also give out is a custom shout out that you can get at the end of the podcast. And that's what we're going to do right now. Thank you to Richard Hicks. Richard Hicks, ex-manager of the Knicks. He got fired after... Um, Unfortunately, unleashing a curse beyond belief after he stood on a puppy's toe one day. <laughs> uh, unbelievably small thing, but when you're the manager of the Knicks, anything could do it. Yeah, you gotta watch out where you're stepping, bro. Thank you to Alex Lynch. Alex Lynch the pinch. If there's someone in your life that's kind of driving you a little bit crazy, not too crazy, and you just want them to be just nipped a little bit. Okay. Just pinched. You yeah. hire Alex. That sounds like harassment. And they'll, no, 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 it's not harassment. It's just a pinch. You can't be arrested for pinching someone. You can. That's, you absolutely you, you can. can. Yeah, for right. sure. Alex, you might be in trouble then. Thanks to Hamish Lewis. Hamish is tame-ish. You can, like, take him out in, like, public spaces and, like, he's, he's tame-ish. Okay, that sounds like he's just not tame. No, then. he's, like, he's nice. He's cordial. He'll, like, talk to people. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of. What? So now and again, he like you could take him to like a again like a baseball game, mm-hmm. and he'll like chat. He'll enjoy the game. He's having a great time. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> if he's kind, yeah. and calm, but kind of, yeah, that's not, that pretty much by definition means he's angry and not calm. So, well, sometimes on one occasion specifically. He threw hot nacho cheese in a man's eyes. Okay, so... So he is tame. He's not tame but at like, all. Uh, you know... Uh, I'm not going to hang out with him. Just then. keep him away from the cheese. <laughs> Thank you to Christy Simmons. Come on down to Christy Simmons Cinnamon's Bakery. That's where you can get all the most delicious fresh Sorry, cinnamon that, and goodies. So you did it twice, so you didn't misspeak the first time. It's a very confusing sign. It looks like a typo. Cinnamon uh, it's you, you get all these delicious treats. No, no bread though, or dough, just cinnamon. And that one okay, was a that mistake. One was <laughs> that one was a mistake. <laughs> Thank you to Callum Patterson. Callum Patterson, a famous filmer of the Patterson footage. Wow, that was pretty him? Co- well done. Well done, well mate. done. Um, <laughs> his life was ruined by it though, really was. <laughs> he, he was just trying to make a home movie. Bigfoot walked into the background. Oh, Christ. Game over. Yeah. Game over. I accidentally filmed Bigfoot on a family holiday once and I just deleted it. I was like, I don't need this. I want to be a normal man. Uh, thank you to Jack Mason. Jack Mason, the jacked Freemason. This guy is who the Freemasons put on the door uh, to scare away people who shouldn't be entering the Freemasons because he's on account of being so jacked. Smart, smart. We're talking borderline a cryptid, 12 foot 3. <laughs> oh. Really weird, dude. Three eyes. But hey, it's not someone you're going to mess with on the front door, <laughs> no, so it no, does the no, job. No. Thank you to Tanner Brown. Tanner Brown, if you don't own a tanning studio, you are missing <laughs> out. 
Because you can get people tanned till they're brown. That sounds like a great business idea right there. Yeah, tanners, tanners. That's like when, uh, when in the olden days when like blacksmiths were called smiths and bakers were called bakers. You're called tanner for a reason, buddy. I'm pretty sure, though, back in the day, that was for tanning hides. Oh, right, was it? <laughs> Not for getting you a sick tan. I'm a professional spanker. Thank you. I'm not going to even correct that. Thank you to James. That's a tanning a hide. Thank you to James Kaiser. James Kaiser, don't get any ideas here in the commune. There's only room for one slash two Kaisers. It's true. The Kaiser Chiefs. That's right. The eponymous indie band of the mid-2000s. They run the commune here. They are the... They're doing a residency. Thank you to Amberly England. Amberly, uh, much like Tanner, if you don't own England, you're missing a trick. You really should try and buy it, because that would really just tie the whole name thing together. Right, like, you know, most people need a sick URL, but like, a country? That's pretty up there, actually. Yeah, and if England's not available, maybe just lower it to like, Amberly Tree. And just see if you can like plant a shrub or something, you know? It's more achievable. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> Thank you to Bailey. If it isn't Whaley Bailey, anything you say to Bailey is going to upset them. Honestly, the time, sometimes you're like, hey, I, I, I got you. Happy birthday. I got you a cake. Ah, upset because the cake's like too small or something. Right. Or it's like I didn't use the right ingredients. Yeah, you did get the a cake. cupcake, so. Or like sometimes, I, like I for, like one time I forgot to cook it, so it's just like an egg in a bowl. That's not a cake. And Bailey's upset just because I didn't do it right. They'll cry at That's anything, fair. honestly. They should. Thank you to Kyle Heinem. Better keep your possessions away from Kyle because he'll hide them. That's just like a weird thing he does. Is just like That's yeah. stealing. No, it's no, no, stealing. no, it's not stealing. Of course it is. He'll just hide them at his place or like pawn them off. <laughs> stealing, theft, illegal. It'll just be, sm- it'll be small things though, like a, a, a knife or a plate or your it's car. It's not that small, no, or no, huge. Like a loved one sometime. One time it was a loved Kidnapping. one. Kidnapping, <laughs> of course. It's hiding them. <laughs> Thank you to Jennifer Yeaton. Keep Jennifer away from your things because she'll yeet them. She'll yeet your loved ones <laughs> to another country. Hey, throwing shit is fun. What can we say? Even baseball pitchers know that. Thank you to Emma Smith Bodie. No Bodie can fight like Emma Smith. Really? She's trained in every kind of martial arts. Mm. Karate, judo, knives. That's not a martial art, though. Hitting people with cars. Any, any, lethal, any lethal way of taking down a human. Poison. <laughs> Thank you to Tyler Martin. Tyler Martin says they're not a Martian, but I don't know, Tyler. Sometimes I don't understand what you're saying. Sometimes I give you a glass of water and you just uh, put it in your ear, which is pretty f***ing weird, Mm, dude. Slightly suspicious. It's like, I don't know, like some days you have one eye, which is, I guess, fine. But other days it's like six. And I'm just a little like, I'm just a little confused because I trust trust him, you know, he's like a friend. (laughs) But I feel like he's lying to me in some way. You don't even know how many <laughs> eyes he has. Thanks, lastly, today to Cliff Trolley. This guy's a man on the edge with so much baggage, they call him Cliff Trolley. But it's all good, brother. Whatever curse you're afflicted with can be lifted. Back the trolley up. Yeah, and if you need to go off that cliff, just hop in the trolley. And you're going to have a <laughs> no, sweet ride no, to the bottom. No, no, 
Thank you so much to everyone who supports us on Patreon, and thank you to everyone who just listened to this week's episode. I hope you had a blast, and of course, we will be back next Tuesday with a brand new Paranormal Tale! Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc., 